0: Heavenly Father, how we thank you so much for your word. We thank you so much that you have made yourself known to us and you have made known to us the way that you would have us live, in wisdom. So we pray that you'll give us wisdom and understanding as we approach this passage today. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. I wonder if you can finish this sentence or this modern proverb for me. Uh, knowledge is knowing that tomato is a fruit... Wisdom is knowing not to put it in a fruit salad. Uh, Over the next three weeks, we're going to be taking some time out to think about what does it mean to be wise, and not just in our culinary choices, but in something so much greater. What does it mean to live a wise life? Why should we bother living a wise life? Uh, We live in a society that's constantly changing one minute to the next. In our cultural moment, people probably value freedom. People probably value peace, uh, personal and financial security. People value themselves. But do we live in a culture that values wisdom? I'm not too sure. But as people who have been rescued from the things of this world and saved by Jesus and to live as his, we are called to live our lives as his. And his way and God's way is the way of wisdom. Not just knowledge, but a good judgment, a good mindset, and a good shrewdness in how we live. See, wisdom is actually good for us and it's good for humanity to live. Uh, If you remember back to the passage we just heard read to us, if all of humanity was to live in this way, according to God, I think we'd have a pretty good time, wouldn't we? But this world doesn't and so we are called to live out and seek out God's wisdom. But where do we start? Uh, what is wisdom and how do we attain this highly precious gift? Well, thankfully, God has given us his word and in it we find this fantastic book of Proverbs. Uh, this is a book of wisdom. Uh, its literature is, is in poetry. Uh, and so we get in this book about 700, 700 individual sayings or t- little two-line sermons. In chapters 1 to 9, we get an introduction where the author, who's probably Solomon, encourages his readers to pursue wisdom and to live it out. Then from about chapters 10 to 29, we get hundreds of little thematic sayings about what it means to live practically wise. And in the end of his preface of chapter 1, verse 7, he tells us where to begin. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. And again in chapter 9, verse 10, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of all wisdom, and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. The way to attain wisdom and knowledge is to fear God. That's the best place to start. Uh, But this doesn't mean being scared or afraid of God, like a person might be afraid of heights. No, this is different. This this is different. This means having an awareness of just how great God is. This is being in complete awe of God and then recognising just how finite we are in comparison to him. It's recognising that God is great and also recognising that we aren't as great as he is. It's recognising that God is powerful and also not to be toyed with as well. I remember in my very first driving lesson with my father, we were in the back streets of Tawantin, there are no other cars around, got into the driver's seat and dad told me something along the lines of this. Michael, this machine can kill people. Now, this didn't make me afraid of driving, but it did make me sit up and pay attention a little bit more. I did fear the awesome power that was driving. It's kind of like that a billion times with God, recognising that he is completely awesome and that we are his creation, recognising that he is king of the universe and that we are not. It means listening to God, paying attention to God. And when we get that right in our hearts and our minds, we can then begin to attain wisdom and live it out. And in chapter 3 today, we'll see that living wisely is good for us and also has immense value. So we'll see the fruit of wisdom will see the value of wisdom. So firstly, the fruit of wisdom. Look with me from chapter 3, verse 1. My son, do not forget my teaching, but keep my commands in your heart, for they will prolong your life many years and bring you peace and prosperity. Well, this seems straightly forward, doesn't it? Uh, Solomon tells us that following all that God has laid down in the law, keeping his commandments and living a life of wisdom leads to having life, it leads to peace, it leads to shalom. Uh, there will be no lack, but there will be wholeness and delight in our joy in relationship with God and bring many years of happiness. Uh, God's commandments and the law are actually good for us. See, some people can think of Christianity and law as just being you know, a big cosmic spoil sport. And that God's rules just get in the way of us having a good time. Sometimes we can get into the danger of believing this narrative as well, of seeing obedience to God as a chore rather than a privilege, a burden rather than a joy. Our own way seems so tempting and easy, and we think that it will lead to joy, whereas God's ways seem harder or tougher. But these verses lay out and make it clear to us that god's ways are actually good for us and are worth living out the way to peace the way for a good life isn't found in living our own way but living god's way but it's also found in living out God's character as well. Uh, Look at me from verse 3. Let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Then you'll win favour and a good name in the sight of God and man. Uh, This word for love here is the same word that means God's covenantal loving kindness. It describes how... God is a faithful God who loves his people with an everlasting love. Uh, Even when they turned away from him, God didn't turn away from them, but still loved them. And so this type of love and faithfulness is to be shown and demonstrated through our lives as well. Always before us, ingrained in our very lives. We're told here to wear them around our neck. Uh, People wear all sorts of jewellery around their necks. Some people may wear crosses to show that they're a Christian or remind themselves of Jesus, and that's great. But if we don't wear love around our necks or show love to others, then we're missing the point. People ought to see God's work and God's love at work in our lives when they look at us then this will lead to human flourishing in our relationships, in our workplace, with our friends, with our family. Living the wise life is actually the best way to win friends and influence people. But let's just pause here and uh, tackle the elephant in the room. Because there have been a lot of faithful people throughout history who have followed Jesus, who have lived wise lives, but were never prosperous there have been plenty of people who have followed Jesus and worn love around their necks, but instead of being esteemed by the people, they were killed by the people. And if you glance down at verses eight and 10, uh, this seems to say that health and wealth are in store for all those who follow these guidelines. But last time I checked, my bank account isn't really exactly overflowing, And I probably will get sick at some point in time again. So then what do we do with this? Uh, Do we simply need to have just more faith and believe harder? Do we need to pray harder to get these things? Well, no, most certainly not. This isn't a prosperity gospel. These words aren't in the genre of law. These aren't promises, but these are of poetic wisdom. These are great generalizations on what it means and what it looks like to follow God. So, following these things won't always lead to living an easy life. Uh, Just look at the life of Job. Uh, Look at the life of Jesus. But it is good for us, it is a good way to live and a good way for all of humanity to live. And this is still the gospel because fearing him and turning towards him and turning away from living our foolish way will actually lead to eternal life it will lead to restored and healed bodies it will lead to riches that are beyond compare that have been won for us by jesus in his death and resurrection we just have to wait a little bit longer until he calls us home But until then, this is how God wants us to live. In wisdom, relying on him and not ourselves. So verse 5, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your path straight. So even when things are great or even when things are really difficult, we are urged to trust in the Lord. Uh, The word for Lord here is Yahweh. Uh, This is the name that God revealed himself to Moses with at the burning bush, the great I Am. And so when we see in our Bibles the big capital L and the small caps O-R-D, this is what should come to mind. Yahweh, the faithful, loving God, slow to anger and abounding in love. The God who keeps his promises to his people, the Lord who is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so he is the one that we are being called to trust in and lean on. And this is great news. Because we can trust in the one who is trustworthy. We can rely on the one who is ultimately reliable. We can lean on the one who is unmovable. And we can submit to the one who is infinitely wise and he says that he will make our path straight we can know our future with him we can know that our lives right now are hidden and secure in him and that our lives are in his hands and we can have such great confidence that even when life isn't going all okay that it will be all okay okay we trust a sure thing. Now, I'm not a particularly adventurous person, but I have climbed Tabletop Mountain twice. I know, pretty, pretty extreme. Uh, but on both occasions, uh, I've always found coming down the hill much harder than going up. Uh, if you haven't done the climb before, there's this section which is essentially a rock fall, a lot of loose rocks going downhill, and it's quite steep, just a bunch of loose rocks. So when I get to this section, I have to slow right down, because I'm completely unsure of my footing, not knowing which is the right rock to step on, not knowing whether it'll give way, and completely afraid of falling down forwards on my face and roll on down the hill. I know, I'm very adventurous. Uh, Sometimes, life can seem a bit like this. Unsure, unsteady, no security. At the moment, in our city, there are people who are looking for houses, unsure of whether they'll have approval and unsure about whether they'll have to sleep in their cars. There are people all over the world who have fled their countries, not knowing if they'll ever be able to go back home. Right now, there are students coming up to their last years and last semesters of school ever who have no idea if they'll get the right marks to get them through their chosen degree, or even worse, have no idea who they are. But God says, come to me. Trust in me. I know your struggles and your hurt. I've got you. Come with me and I'll show you the right path through. If you are at the moment facing hard times or you know that there are struggles ahead, please come and let me know or or let someone else here know. We would love to pray for you and walk with you, alongside you. But also you can know that you can trust in God. He is good and loving. You can put your full weight on him and he won't give way. Life this side of eternity may not always be easy. But we know the one who holds it all in his hands. And even better, we know that he knows us. And cares for us and loves us. And also, trusting in God means being humble and choosing His way instead of our way. Verse 7 says Do not be wise in your own eyes, fear the Lord and shun evil. This will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. Now, this doesn't mean that we have to check our brain in at the door when we begin to follow Jesus. This isn't what this is saying. But this is saying that we should put God's will and God's want for our lives above our own. I always think it's quite a shame when I go to funerals and they have the song Frank Sinatra's I Did It My Way. I would love it if somebody re-recorded a new version which said, I did it God's way. Because this is the way to live. In God's ways. And the more that we fear God and are in complete awe of him, the more that our lives will naturally reflect his wills. In every area, in our relationships as we saw before, in our deeds and in verse 9 and 10, in the way that we use our money and our time and our resources, honouring him before all that we have, and living for God even when things aren't all that great. Uh, Look with me from verse 11. My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline and do not resent his rebuke, because the Lord disciplines those he loves as a father the son he delights in. Now, just a note uh, this doesn't mean that we should go, oh, I'm a bit sick today, so this must be because I was angry at the parking officer the other day. We're not connecting sin with illnesses or anything like that or with suffering. This isn't about God being angry with us or disciplining us with a hard rod because, of course, God is slow to anger and also Jesus has already dealt with our sin by his death on the cross. But more generally, when we suffer, this can sometimes be God's way of bringing us back to him and strengthening our faith we'll see this in more detail in a few weeks when we look at the book of james but this is what it says in chapter one verse two consider it pure joy my brothers and sisters when you face trials of many kinds because you know that the testing of of your faith produces perseverance see trials and sufferings are hard confusing unnerving and quite often completely and utterly devastating. But these two are all in God's hands. And the way of wisdom is to trust God, even when our lives have been completely turned inside out by the things of this world. And in the midst of these, we can cry out to God and rest in him. That living this life of wisdom isn't always easy. Living God's way in a world that's shouting, live your own way, is countercultural. But the wisdom of this world leads to death and decay. But the fruit of the wisdom of God, as we've just seen, leads to long life. Peace, favour, straight paths, health, and prosperity. God's wisdom is good for us. But it's not just good. It is so incredibly valuable. And so it should be valuable to us. Back in 2009, a new type of currency began called Bitcoin, Uh, and in October 2010, one Bitcoin was worth about 10 cents. Fast forward to 2022, one Bitcoin is worth just over 30,000 Australian dollars. Now, that would have been quite the investment for people if they had invested early on. Our world might say, blessed are those who invested in Bitcoin, but wisdom is so much greater than any bitcoin or any gold or silver because the things of this world may fade away, but wisdom will never fail. It's valuable, is immeasurable. Look with me from chapter 3, verse 13. Blessed are those who find wisdom, who gain understanding, for she is more profitable than silver and yields better returns than gold. She is more precious than rubies, nothing you desire can compare with her long life is in her right hand in her left hand are riches and honor her ways are pleasant ways and all her paths are peace see the things that people value in this world are all sorts of things such as these Uh, autonomy freedom their freedom to express themselves are feeling and being fulfilled by whatever means, their identity that they identify identified with. The world says that blessed are the people who apparently have reached their full personal potential, whatever that means. But these things are all about individuals, all about themselves with no reference to anything external. But here, Solomon is saying that what is of truly of value is something that is external and finding it leads to more blessings than we can ever imagine and that is wisdom so then the obvious conclusion is that we should leave behind pursuing our own satisfaction and gratifying our own pleasures but pursue wisdom because it's precious it's valuable It's everlasting. It's a sure and certain thing. God's wisdom leads to the tree of life. But our own wisdom leads to death. So then, don't settle for what we think is wise in our own eyes. But pursue the greatest thing don't settle for what the world tells us is good and wise but pursue the things which god tells us are good and wise and the very best thing that we can do is to fear god turn to him repent of living our own ways And we'll be his forever because of Jesus' death on the cross and glorious resurrection. That is the wisest thing that anybody could ever do. And yes, in the meantime, as we await His coming again, the way of wisdom can be hard as we are swimming upstream and against the tide of this world. But it is so worth it. It is the way to life. Verse 18. She is a tree of life to those who take hold of her. Those who hold her fast will be blessed. So friends, take hold of her. The fruit of wisdom is life everlasting and life to its fullest right now. And the value of it is greater than anything we could even imagine. So let's pray and ask God to help us with this let's pray loving Lord we thank you so much that you have given us the ability to pursue your wisdom that you have given us your word that we can read and learn from you that you have given us your living word, Jesus Christ and we can see how to live as he has in wisdom. So, Heavenly Father, in this world which seeks not the things above, give us boldness, give us confidence, and give us your wisdom always, Lord, that our lives might reflect your lives, that our lives may be marked by following your commandments, wearing love around our necks, relying on you, honouring you and being subject to you because you are a loving, awesome God. And so we pray this in your name. Amen.